So earlier this year, I decided to try some contacts instead of eyeglasses. You know, the whole eyeglass and mask thing wasn't working out so much, and so thought I would try contacts. Made an appointment, got some contacts, listened very carefully to everything the staff and my doctor told me to do about how to put those in, how to clean them and take care of them and put them in the next day, all of that sort of thing. Everything was going pretty well for a, about a week, and then one night I went to take my contacts out, and for those of you that wear contacts, you know, you've got this little con container, and right lens goes in the right side, and the left goes in the left, and a little screw top on either side, and took my right contact out and put it in and went to take my left contact out. It's not there. I thought, I know I put it in this morning. And so I thought, well, maybe it's still in my eye. And I dug around and dug around and dug around and, and, and then decided I'm not exactly sure it's there. And so I, I went and and, and looked in my car and looked everywhere I could think of of where it might have popped out. But, you know, I mean, you can't find a contact when it's right in front of you, let alone the whole, the whole house and my car and maybe even my, 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 my office. And I even told my wife, I'm not smart enough, I guess, to wear contacts. I, 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 I've gone a week and I've lost it. But the doctor also told me of all of these terrible things that could happen if you leave your contact in and go to sleep. And so I sort of slept that night with one eye open and one eye closed, I think, and made an appointment that next day and went in to see the doctor and embarrassingly told him the whole story. And so he said, of course, well, let's take a look. Didn't take him long to say, well, one thing's for sure. Your contact's not in your eye. Well, that's good. He said, did you bring your right contact? I I said, yes, I did. He said, well, I'll tell you what, you put it in while I go out and look for you uh, a new contact and we'll start all over again. I said, fine. And I, he left the room. I unscrewed the little compartment and found not one, but two contacts in the same little compartment. I've been thinking a lot about that story. I've been thinking about how in the world did it get in there, but I've also been thinking spiritually about that story. Preachers, you'll understand what I'm thinking about. Everything that happens to us becomes sort of a preaching illustration, right? And I've been thinking about that. What if in our search for revival, we're looking in the wrong place. Let me attempt to explain what I, I mean. When you survey the Old Testament story of Israel, the original people of God, we can conclude that the people of God have almost always been in need of revival. Moses led the people out of, uh, of Israel. It's a glorious, miraculous story. The people of God were headed for the promised land, but they took a 40-year detour in the wilderness. But before landing in the wilderness, they, they committed themselves to obedience. Exodus 19.8 gives us their commitment. Then all the people responded together, we will do all that the Lord has spoken. Then 
comes the giving of the Ten Commandments and other laws that are elaboration on the Ten Commandments. We, we hear again Israel's commitment in Exodus 24.3. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and, and all the ordinances, and then all the people responded with a single voice. We will do everything that the Lord has commanded. Again, in Exodus 24.18, we read that Moses entered the cloud as he went up the mountain, and he remained on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights and that's where the scene changes right while Moses is on the mountain we read in Exodus 32 verse 1 when the people saw that Moses delayed in coming down from the mountain he they gathered around Aaron and said to him come let's make gods for us who will go before us because this Moses this Moses not Moses this Moses the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt. We, we don't know what's happened to him. And I submit to us today that from that moment, revival has been needed. But that was them. What about us? Why do we need personal revival? Same, same reasons. Because at the heart of who we are, we are sinners. Are as God called Israel, we are stiff-necked. It's a good descriptor, isn't it? Secondly, we are, we're in an impatient people. We even want revival right now. Before we leave and go back home, we want revival. Thirdly, we are tempted to follow people instead of God. Number four, we are filled with pride. But fifthly, we are a people who are desperately in need of the blessing of God upon our lives. We are doomed without it. And so I bring us to Psalm 139. The Lord, in the midst of COVID quarantine, just really use Psalm 139, verse 23 and verse 24, particularly, but the whole Psalm. You know it. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Just real quickly, I want you to note the process that is described there. And asking for the Lord to search us, to know us, to test us. All three of those words are, are probing words to me. Let me give you an illustration about maybe one of those words, search. When I think of the word search, I, I, believe it or not, I, 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 think about, I think about being strip searched. First time I ever went to Angola, I went into the, the place where you arrived and they, they searched you. Really? Probably never been quite searched like they searched me put us on a bus, drove us to the visitor center. Immediately upon getting off the bus, they searched me again. I had a buddy with me. We weren't part of a revival team. We were just going to see somebody. And I said to my friend, where, where do you think they think we got something? They just searched us and brought us on their bus to another spot. They're searching us again. They brought us inside that building, and they searched us again. Now a third time. And then they brought us in this little telephone booth-looking thing. And down at the bottom of the telephone booth-looking thing, there, 
there was a cutout opening with a flap over it. On the other side of that little flap, there was a dog that was sniffing us from drug, for drugs. Tell you how I know that. The buddy that I brought with me got on his knees and stuck his head up underneath that hole. <laughs> Guess what? That got us searched the fourth time after he did that. <laughs> so when I consider Psalm 139, I think about this. And I think about how this word conveys that truth that God is looking for that in our lives that may not be detectable by anybody else. The doctor does that when he runs tests. What's not visible to the eye, he says we're going to run tests. It means he's going to run blood work. And x-rays. And he's helping you to discover that which is not visible otherwise. And that's the uncomfortable process. But know that this process is being conducted by a perfect judge. Perfect judge. Psalm 139. I don't have the time to take you through all of that, but you know what's there begins with that grand statement, Lord, you've searched me and know me. You know me when I sit down, when I rise up, when I stand up. We talk about there in those first verses that that is God's omniscience. And then when we move into verses 7 through 12, it goes like this, where can I escape your spirit? Where can I flee your presence? There in those verses, we talk about God's omnipresence. And then as we move into verses 13, and through verse 18, we get words like this, for it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together. Your eyes saw me. It's God's omnipotence when he says, God, how precious your thoughts are to me. And then maybe a new word for you, God's omnipurity in verses 19 through 24. Listen to this. God, if only you would kill the wicked, you bloodthirsty men, stay away from me, who invoke you deceitfully. Verse 21, Lord, don't I, don't I hate those who hate you and detest those who rebel against you? I, I hated them with extreme hatred. I considered them my enemies. Then, he says, search me. You know what I conclude by that transition? What if we were to ask God to bring us to that place where we hate our own sin as much as we hate the sin of others? You see, there's a personal nature of this request. Just let these words hit your heart again. When the psalmist prays, search. In fact, would you say it with me? Search me. Know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. Can I just tell you this today? We are experts at discovering the sin in someone else's life. We're pretty much in preschool when it comes to identifying our own sin. And then... 
Notice the penetrating nature of this request. Any, any sin. Literally, this word means any grief or pain, any means or any path that grieves the heart of God. That's what he's, we are asking him to show us. And so what's the purpose of, of, of that journey? Then, then it is, in the concluding words, to lead me, lead me in the everlasting way. And so during the COVID quarantine, the Lord put on my heart this message, which is our theme, change me. R- really just beginning to think about in the midst of all that was going on in our, in our world and in our churches, change me. I, I can't change anyone else. I couldn't change the circumstances with which were greeting me every day. In fact, as I continue to think about it, I can't change much. But I can ask the Lord to change me. And so what came from that was a 28-day guide resource. And I began to think about asking you and asking Louisiana Baptist to join me. And I want to ask you to spend the next 28 days, maybe as this year ends, maybe as 2022 begins, simply saying, Lord, change me. How about it? And then if, if, if God so moves in this group that is assembled here today, maybe God will impress upon your heart to ask somebody else to join you over the course of another 28 days. Pastor, maybe you'll ask your church to begin 2022 praying, Lord, change me. Now listen, I know that following this guide does not guarantee personal revival. I understand that revival is not broken into phases, but this gives us an action plan. I even understand that it may be that not necessarily everyone even needs revival but all can and should be moving toward greater sanctification therefore making this particular journey useful for all let me just tell you in one minute what it's about week one is about introspection praying this prayer search me week two is old testament word of consecration and I'm challenging us to do that by spending extraordinary amounts of time reading God's Word. In fact, so much time reading God's Word that somebody might protest, that's too much time. And if that be the answer, I think we have our answer about how much we desire revival. Third week is about praying spending extraordinary amount, more, more time than usual praying. And then finally, in the week four, making some permanent decisions, an invitation to ask others to be with you. In, in the Old Testament, book of 1 Samuel, we read about the Ark of the Covenant being taken away from the camp of Israel. And 1 Samuel 7, verse 2, tells us that 20 years went by. And then the whole house of Israel, after the taking of the Ark, And then the whole house of Israel longed for the Lord. Boy, how I wish that we would be praying, that we would come to a place where we would long for the Lord again. I may not know how to solve every problem, but I know this. 
something has to change. And what if that something that has to change is not them, but us? Not him or her, but me. Would you at least be willing to pray about it? What's in your circle? You've heard it before, Lord, send a revival. Let it begin in me. Draw a circle around me and pray that it begins in that circle. Would you at least be willing to pray, Lord, change me?